Welcome to Amanda's Horror Pod. But Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas is one of my favorite movies. Yes. Um, first thing we need to discuss with Nightmare Before Christmas, probably go into a little bit of plot, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. we all know that it's Jack Skellington, who's the Pumpkin King, the King of Halloween, and he's not happy where he's at. He feels out of place, which is what this entire movie is about. It's about being the outcast. And yep, wanting, the weird on the other. Yeah, wanting to do something different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he, you know, is upset. He's just kind of like, blah, blah, blah. Yay, I'm doing my job for another year, blah, blah, blah. So he follows Zero, his dog, with that little pumpkin for a nose. I love that little jack o I know, nose. he's so, so cute. cute. Um, so he follows him into the woods where they're playing fetch, and he finds this room of doors. And he, uh, for some reason, fate, destiny, what have you, the Christmas door opens. And he's like, there's right. in here. right?" And then it kind of sucks him in and shows him this whole new world where things are happy and there's snow and, and mistletoe and gingerbread and, and cinnamon and hot chocolate and all those lovely Christmas things that are wonderful even to me and my little black pit where my heart used to be. Uh, That's got to be why people love it so much is because most of us feel, especially growing up, like there's something different about us. Yeah. And I think that's why people are so obsessed with that movie and and queer people, too, especially watch that. And they're like, oh, yeah, I always felt like something, you know, Mm -hmm. I needed to walk through a different door. I needed to walk out of the closet. Absolutely. Absolutely. We needed to to change our lives to make ourselves more comfortable and that's Mm -hmm. what jack skellington is trying to do of course you realize by the end no i was doing really good where i was but it's nice to have something different to go to (laughs) yeah right yeah i'm allowed to enjoy this yeah yeah and he changed it he made it so it was like a mixture of both instead of just one dull thing you know Mm -hmm. he did he did and of course by the end he realizes that halloween does not work for christmas no. Except for those people that like that sort of thing, like me, please send me all the gross things. Anyway, well, maybe not spiders. <laughs> spiders can suck it. No. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and of course, there's Sally, the love interest, who was originally yeah. intended to be way more vampy than she actually looked. Um, but, uh, you know, Sally is the one who's like, no, I like you just the way you are. You're allowed to like things other than this, but I like you exactly the way you are. There's no need right. for you to be upset about being different around me because I'm different too. I wasn't born. I was made. Right. Right. And that's what everyone who's different wants in a partner. They're like, if I feel different, it would be nice to be with someone who knows at least what it feels like to be a little bit different. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And she, I, I don't, I mean, one thing I'm totally going to rip on this movie about, because I don't understand how an entire fucking town full of people saw Sally being held captive and didn't do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> but of course it's Halloween town. So, you know, the girl in the bunker standard trope, I guess, where she's constantly trying to get out. Uh <laughs> But yeah, I think we're finally starting to progress past the whole save her from the tower. But yeah. yeah, well, she saved herself from the tower. Yes, exactly. Very good. Yeah, we liked that. Yeah. Um, but there was also a question with Sally as to whether she was supposed to be Finkelstein's daughter 
or mm-hmm. girlfriend because later when we see Finkelstein making another, it's a girlfriend. Right? So, right. Yeah, so you can just see that Sally's like, ew, no, don't touch me. Ew. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, I actually never thought too much on that, but that's a good question. Yeah, it's it's mentioned that he treats her as a daughter, but I think they changed that in the script from being a girlfriend where she was vampy and wanted to be with Jack rather than him. So a oh, daughter, a daughter is a little more family friendly. Right? right. That's what I kind of assumed at first, but yeah, he did seem kind of creepy and leering and yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, of course you've got an entire town full of creepy and leering. So... <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard to know <laughs> what is. the difference is. Uh, other than them saying it. Right. Yeah. So, but Sally was a wonderful addition. She was in the original poem by Tim Burton, which was written in what, 1980, the original poem. Um, he just kind of wrote it down after seeing, you know, the stores switching from Halloween to Christmas, right? Um, you know, early 80s-ish. But he took his inspiration from, like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, Visit from St. Nicholas, so, you know, a, a night, the night before Christmas, right? See, um, see I didn't know about this poem. Can you expand a little bit the audience? So, I don't know much about that. Oh, yeah. So he wrote a three-page poem. It was just something that he never really intended to go much of anywhere, but he did start a script and making sketches to adapt it into a film. But, of course, with that, he was with Disney at the time. Um, but he thought that Burton's dark work was too dark, you know, because they'd already seen oh. um, Frank and Weenie, the first one, the short. Right. right. And he thought his style was way too dark for usual family output, right? So that's when he left Disney. Because I think he was an animator before he was a mm-hmm. director. Uh, but he left Disney and then um, got hired on by WB, Warner Brothers, for Batman. Oh, right? okay. So in 1989, when Batman turned out to be huge, Dick Purton tried to buy back that story and ideas from Disney. Unfortunately, they kept them at that point. Yeah, it's Disney. Yeah. But no offense, Disney, but you know what you do. I I mean, (laughs) contracts all over the place in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. intellectual property everywhere. I get it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But after Batman was a hit, Disney was like, we want to work with you. And they gave him $18 million and free reign for Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. But people have to remember that that's that and the script, some pretty heavy contributions to the script are all Burton did besides producing it. Right. Right. So while he's happy that his name is on it because he did write the material, right. That it was based on, right. It's not his film. And he's actually really, he gets upset when people forget that Henry Selleck directed this film. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Henry Selleck, by the way, is the guy that went on to form Leica. So he did Coraline mm-hmm. and uh, Paranorman, which I also love. Oh, me too. I love uh, those. Parano- it's another one of those I'm the weird kid. But Paranorman is also very much coming out of the closet. Right, you know, right. Because they've got the gay character at the end. And they don't, they don't even make a big deal out of it. He's like, oh, my boyfriend would love that movie. Let's go. You know? Yeah. It's <laughs> just handled all matter-of-factly, which is how we should be treated. Right, right we just exactly. Exist. Thank you. <laughs> um, 
The poem, by the way, yeah, <laughs> the poem is on the 2008 special edition Blu-ray, and it's narrated by Christopher Lee, and it's got a oh, cute okay. I'm gonna, visual. I'm going to have to get that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, Henry Selleck took this idea, and what he, he literally said, this is what he said, quote, it's as though he, Burton, laid the egg and i sat on it and hatched it he wasn't involved in a hands-on way but his hand is in it it was my job to make it look like a tim burton film which is not so different from my own right he didn't want to take anything away from tim right but right you know tim wasn't there he showed up for like five visits over two years and was never more there for more than a couple of days right and disney feature animation only did like secondary layering so this is not a standard disney film at all no right? but burton couldn't be involved in production because he was directing the pre-production of ed wood and he was actively directing batman returns at the time so he could not be involved the way he wanted to right oh i love ed wood so much i haven't seen ed wood in forever <gasps> <laughs> so good. So good. Um, but we've got this delightful town and when you're talking because the um, documentary I saw it's one of the, the prop it's part of the series of movie props that's on Disney Plus um, and they did Nightmare Before Christmas and um, like the puppets the animatronic puppets right they mm -hmm. still have some of those. Some of them still exist. They're kept in nice little bell jars, right? So that they don't oh, wow. um, degrade as much as we know they will. They're all made of plasticine and paint and fiber and wire right. and things like that. So they do degrade and they have to be restored every so often. But uh, Danny Elfman has one of the Santa, uh, uh, what's his name? Jack Skellington's right in the Santa outfit. And he's Danny Elfman is an amazing composer. Like he did the Edward Scissorhands soundtrack too. And I used to own it. I don't know what happened to it. Cause it was way back when we had cassettes. So I don't know what happened with my cassettes, but I know I've always loved Danny Elfman's as a composer. He's fantastic. Okay, sure. Uh, but yeah, he, no, sorry. I was actually checking a work email. Well, <laughs> that's okay. No, um, yeah. If you need to go, it's fine. I mean, no, I can edit everything. And... No, I'm fine. Um, but no, it, it, Danny Elfman is amazing, right? You can even yeah. leave that thing. I had to check an email and that's fine. Um, <laughs> they don't, whatever. I, um, I, yeah, I, I was so obsessed when uh, when Edward Scissorhands came out that I even had the soundtrack on cassette because back then everyone had cassettes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, have, I don't have the actual Nightmare Before Christmas, but there was a heavy metal remake of the Ooh. Uh, soundtrack with like... Uh, Evanescence, um, or what is her name, Lee? Oh, uh, wonderful! She does one. Uh, Marilyn Manson does one. Uh, I think Marilyn Manson yes. does this is Halloween. Yes, I've heard it. Yeah, yeah, and she does Sally's song, which yeah. is so beautiful, especially in her voice. I forget her name. Um, her last name. Lee. I don't know it either, but I can picture yeah. her face. She's beautiful. She is beautiful. Um. She did on the Muppets Green album, Halfway Down the Stairs, and it is the most, it, it makes me both happy and sad listening to her voice. It's like, oh, I'm lonely, and this is my spot on the stairs, and this is just where I'm going to sit. It's fine. Um, she went on to write children's books, I believe. 
or make children's music uh, before Evanescence oh, wow. came back together. Um, but Danny Elfman, not only does he have that wonderful puppet, which, by the way, is one of the ones that degrades the least because the puppet for Jack Skellington is primarily wire. There's not a whole lot of like plasticine or anything like on uh, on that puppet that would degrade. So there's much less restoration that has to go into them, but it does have to happen. Um, but like the the sets for this are amazing. The puppets are amazing. And the music, Danny Elfman wrote the entire soundtrack. This was uh, after Batman, of course. So he was brought in. But he's also the singing voice of Jack Skellington. Whereas Chris Sarandon is his speaking voice. But right. along with that, his girlfriend at the time also worked on the script. She was specifically working on the development of the Sally character. So Sally is based on her, where he based the music uh, for Jack Skellington on himself. Because they both had this very, I'm an outcast and we're together sort of thing. Right? So right. It, it's very sweet. Uh, but again, Sally was meant to be more of a vampy character and they toned her down. They wanted her to be more innocent, right? Because yeah, she is yeah. kept in a tower, right? Um, Let me ask you a question because I've been having this argument with people about this movie lately. Mm -hmm. Who do you think is the truest villain if you do think there is one in the movie, in your opinion? Honestly, Jack. Mm hmm yeah that's my answer <laughs> that's my answer but everyone's like how dare you how well, dare ev you everyone is how dare you but you have to remember that he upset Jack... society he really right. did i mean not not that it was wrong to do so i mean we have right. to do that he's an but... unintentional villain kind of like carrie right he's an right. unintentional villain he's like i'm gonna do this and it's gonna be awesome and it's amazing but it ends up ruining everything and santa has to go fix it yeah, and, and, sometimes and, and, being yourself is as as beautiful as it is. It affects everything around you too. So exactly, exactly. So I mean, even more than Oogie Boogie, right? And the and Lock, yeah. Shock, and Barrel. By the way, Lock, Shock, and Barrel. When it comes to shock, that's also Catherine. Um, uh, what is her last name? Fuck. <laughs> I don't know. Catherine O'Hara. Sorry. Um, oh, Catherine O'Hara. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Catherine, also known as um, Mrs. Shit. <laughs> I, act, I really it, love um, her. What is her? It's not. They moved to Shit's Creek. That's not her name. Um, damn it. Yeah, she was in that show. Yeah, yeah, I know what show yeah, you she mean. She's the mom. In Shit's I Creek. always. She was in Beetlejuice too, right? Yes, she was. If you, oh, Lydia. If you don't let me rip this house apart and redo it, I'm going to go crazy or something like that. <laughs> If you don't make it my own, if you don't let me tear this house apart, make it my own. <laughs> that's that's kind oh, of me when I have PMS. <laughs> oh my god, fucking Beetlejuice is amazing, and I fucking love oh. it. Um, is it true they're remaking it, or is that just a rumor? Um, the rumor is not a remake, but a sequel. Oh, okay. But that's been going on forever. However, it's um, the guy that wrote. It's not. Is it How to Survive a Horror Movie? Um, oh, I forget. He's the guy that directed Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Wrote it. Directed. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's most known for writing books like How to Survive a Horror Movie, things like that. But um, 
he's amazing. He's supposed to be behind it, but it's been in development hell forever. I wish that we'd have it, but no. I know. And I hope I hope it's Johnny Depp and Winona Ryder because remember how they used to be a couple way back yeah. in the day and everybody loved that they were a couple? I'm pretty sure Winona Ryder wouldn't work with Johnny Depp again if they paid her. So and they really? would have to pay her a lot. I, I I thought they were friends. They're not friends. I don't I thought that that breakup ended weird. But that I, again, it's oh. been a while since I've heard about them being together. I know that that was in the nineties, right? Yeah, it was. So. They were pretty young then, so yeah, it was kind of Heather's. Yeah, yeah. So who so, knows? Right. Um, but yeah, Danny Elfman says that writing this score was one of the easiest jobs he ever had. You know, writing the songs for Jack and Sally, right? Um, the whole crew was about a hundred people to complete the movie. Wow. And for every second of film, 12 stop motion moves had to be made. And that's common in a stop motion right. film, right? This is before laser printing. So of course. where we're talking about Paranorman, where all of those faces that they use, because they use head swaps, head swaps or mouth swaps uh, to do speaking, right? Um, mm -hmm. So Paranorman, they were able to laser print uh, uh, 3D print all of those faces, all of them. Right. Whereas these had to be made by hand. Right. Wow. So you've got like dozens of faces there. for each character. Right. Right. Just to in indicate mouth movement, eye movement. Right. And it's crazy. I would have to kill myself if I was trying to do stop motion. I can't draw, <laughs> let alone. Let alone sculpt. That's just too much. Oh my god. No, that's a lot. That's a lot of work. I would love to see it. I would love to see the hill. I would because I, oh, you know, yeah. in that documentary they brought out the hill for display for this guy. It just it, it's like this 10 by 10 set with this gigantic hill on it. And everything's to scale and it's just beautiful. And of course they bring the, the puppet that was on display that um I forget who brought it in. I think it was one of the um, it wasn't Henry Selleck because Henry Selleck also has one of the jacks. Um, but it, collector came in. It, it was one of the people that walked on the worked on the film. I think it was one of the guy that worked on sets. Had the puppet of Jack, put it on top of that hill, and it just brought everything back. And of course, it's to scale, so you can see that Jack can actually step from the bottom of that hill to the ground very easily. Right. So it's a lot of fun seeing that sort of stuff. Uh, the most difficult shot to film that they've been talking about mm -hmm. uh, in terms of this was the scene where Jack is reaching for the doorknob. Oh yeah. Because they tried to make this movie the way they move, make any other movie. Usually right. with stop motion, it's set frame, you know, set camera, you're aimed right there. The, the camera is not moving and all, mm -hmm. all the motion is happening there. In this one, they moved the camera around. They did full motion. There were, there were four actual motion, full speed shots in that film, uh, usually involving some kind of a liquid or a fog effect, right? Uh, like the liquid right. coming out of Sally's spoon. Right. Um, but in the shot of the doorknob, you can actually see a reflection of the forest, <laughs> a round reflection of the forest oh, around Jack. Uh, which you're not supposed to see. 
but you know, there's, I you never noticed that. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, again, I know a ton of trivia about this. Like uh, Vincent Price was supposed to be Santa Claus. Oh, that would have been lovely. I would have yeah. loved that. But unfortunately, after Price's wife passed, his own health was starting to fail, and his voice performance was not great. Right. right? Uh, the tracks that he did tape were unusable, so they had to re uh, recast the role. Uh, when it, it premiered, I it think was... the last wasn't the last thing he was in Edward Scissorhands. Yes, that he was. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it premiered because it premiered on October 9th. It was 16 days before Price died and four days after Price passed away that we got the United States wide release. Right, right. So, again, for Vincent Price fans, this is a, a movie that holds a lot of weight. I am a humongoid Vincent Price fan. Oh, Vincent Price. Uh, you know, he could hit it. He was kind of hot. <laughs> when he was young no seriously he was actually super attractive um i would absolutely yeah, he, have sex yeah that's true he was vincent price. and <laughs> at, honestly vincent price might have sex with me so <laughs> well, i mean his daughter said that he was in the closet his yeah, whole life so he was by he was by and just couldn't do anything about it because of hollywood and the yeah. times of course i really wish he'd been able to be more open about it because he well, was wonderful Right, right. It's true. I, I know his daughter. I watched an interview with his daughter, and she's a lesbian, and she said he always encouraged her to come out. But for him, it was a different story, you know? Yeah, yeah. And of course, we knew that he had lovers. And in fact, his wife knew. His wife knew all about right, it. Right, right. So, but, um, you know, Vincent Price, you know, rest in peace, man. You deserve it because you worked so hard and you made such a fan out of everyone. And mm -hmm. I, one of my jobs as the gay elder, the elder gay, if you wish, <laughs> um, is to educate the young people. And Vincent Price is one of those big things for me. Right? Yes. I need to make people watch a comedy of terrors. I need to make people watch the old Roger Corman, Vincent, uh, Vincent Price, Edgar Allan Poe movies, Pit in the Pendulum, right? I, I make them watch oh, the New Burton films. Yeah. You know, because Christopher Lee is also part of that, even though he's not queer. The House of Usher with Vincent Price. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. And that, that also. What, had, what was um, that? What was that sound, Bob? You don't like that movie? Oh, no. I love that movie. That was an amazing oh. sound. Oh. That also had Jack Nicholson in it. Yes. Big, big role after Little Shop of Horrors, but also yeah. as Roger Corman. So, of course, he's going to get cast. Um, but, I grew uh, up on Vincent Price like crazy. Like, that's what I grew up on. Like, my mom was like, You want to watch something? And I'm like, Yeah, something with Vincent Price. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> By the way, this film is the first stop motion animated film to get a PG rating. Oh wow! So it's it is more for the older kids, right? Um, I think everyone of every age likes it though, because everyone I talk to, no matter what age they are, they're just like, "Yeah, I love that movie." Yeah, but because of that rating, Michael Eisner, the the then Dick and chairman of Walt Disney, was again the film's too dark for little kids, right? And they moved it to Touchstone, which is still Disney. Disney and Touchstone are the same thing, which, by the way, is also what makes uh, Pinhead a Disney princess. 
because that's great. Oh wait, wait, wait! That's too dark. But the Fox and the Hound wasn't too dark for children because that traumatized me as a freaking kid. I'm sorry. I watched the live action Pinocchio. We're going to talk about this for a second because because Pinocchio is known as the most disturbing scene or having the most disturbing scene in Disney history. You know what that scene is? I haven't seen the live action, so no. Well, it's not the live action. It's the original that has that. But they recreated it almost frame for frame in the live action. The scene that we're talking about is the transformation of Lampwick into a donkey. Oh, okay. Right. Most people find that scene to be the most disturbing scene because of the sound that was used. The, the, The conversion from human boy voice to donkey. That's disturbing. The fact that it went on a little too long. Right? Yeah. Um, no, I see. It, that. Was, it was all right there in front of you. You're watching the whole thing, even if it's in shadow. That terrifies children. Right? So Walt Disney is not afraid to step a toe in the dark, but they don't want a whole movie to be that dark. And now we've got Disney Plus making fucking zombies movies. Fuck off. I know. <laughs> I'm never forgiving the fox and the hound. It traumatized me so much, but it made me the animal lover I am too. So, well, well, it's funny because kids love this movie. It's not scary to them, and kids like scary to begin with. Just right. Because, just because something is scary doesn't mean kids don't like it. They want to be scared. That's why there's a reason they sneak exists. into the horror movies. That's why they sneak into the horror movies when right. they're not supposed to say. Right. And yes, parents, they're doing that. And yes, you should let them because that's just exactly. let them well, have I mean, some fun. I mean, <laughs> I would also probably be watching some of those movies just to be sure, right? Because do your job as a parent. Right, just right. Because we right. invented the rating system doesn't mean you get to be lazy. You get to watch things before your kids do. Right? It's unbelievable the rating system now, though. I remember when I was a kid, like there could be murders, rapes, all these horrible things, and it was like PG. PG. Mm-hmm. And now someone smokes a cigarette and it's PG-13 or R. And I'm like, are you serious? Well, and and I'm, like one of the warning things is smoking on stuff. I'm just like smoking. What? How is? I don't know. I don't get it. That used to be cool. And I know. I know. It's, <laughs> it used to be cool in old Hollywood. I'm not right? saying smoking is cool. I'm not saying people should. I'm just saying I don't think just because a kid sees someone smoke a cigarette on TV, they're going to do it. Well, I mean they've been trying to get to stop kids from smoking forever and it never fucking works no they're doing Uh, worse stuff they're using that weird like vape shit and what the fuck is strawberry cheesecake tobacco i don't even want to know well i don't it's not tobacco though usually the vaping is either non-nicotine so they're just taking in the flavor because they think it's cool isn't that more dangerous to your lungs well ish because it is oil, right? So you're inhaling right. oil vapor, right? Right. So you're going to cough more. It can cause popcorn lung. Jesus. Um, but, I mean, in moderation, yeah, I think anything's going to be fine. Of course, then again, I don't, like, with my weed, I vape rather than smoke because the, the smoke actually bothers my throat more. But I'm also right. a smoker anyway, so my lungs are just fucked regardless. I'm just going to say, here, take them for science. Have fun. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, um, 
because I, I, I'm 50 fucking years old. It's too late. I can't. I tried Chantix twice and it made me do stupid shit. So we're we'll just we're gonna keep smoking till the day I die. I'm, I haven't reached like three pack a day mega smoker yet. So pack a day, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm about a little bit less than a pack a day, but I when I was in my uh, 20s and 30s, I would smoke three packs a day easy. I didn't think twice about it, but now I just can't, I wouldn't be able to breathe. If I was going out, <laughs> then yeah, I might have, you know, maybe two packs that day, right? But if, if, I was, if I was just at home, no. I have, I was the dude when I lived alone, I would like sequester myself in the bathroom because that was the best place to read, turn on the fan and just smoke. Just <laughs> I'm like, well, it's a seat. <laughs> yep. if I gotta do something I'm here uh, yep. but I know it sounds weird but I'm like this is the best place to read in the house I'm sorry um, but anyway yeah it's but yeah so, too dark but yeah because of Gremlins because of um, Raiders of the Lost not Raiders of the Lost Ark it was uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom all those right. Spielberg films that came out around that time, those were a little too much. So that's why they created that PG-13 rating. Uh, I'm actually a little surprised that this one didn't get one, but there's no language in it, right? And remember that PG-13, right. you have one fuck. You can use the, the word fuck once. Smoking, uh, huh. meh. Uh, they just have to warn people about it now because people have, want trigger warnings, right? Right. Um, you know, Knowing what's coming up so that you can be informed maybe my kids shouldn't watch this or maybe i might have to have a conversation after it right so i i'm kind of glad that they've done that it is getting a little much honestly but remember parents talking straight to you that does not absolve you of your job your job, if we're talking about media, is to consume that media first and then determine whether or not it's appropriate for your children. That includes fucking video games, right? I wrote a whole chapter in Tropefest 2 about this, uh, about the you know games and rating systems and parental job and shit, because you know we had to deal with like the D and D satanic panic. We have to deal with right, right, doom. We, I'm like, okay, well, read it first or watch it or play a little bit of it first and then determine whether or not your kids should have it we gave you the rating system thank you tipper gore so that you could be informed but you still need to make that decision on your own right and yeah. for god's sake please stop blaming violence on media it's not fucking true right well because then we're talking about like there have already been studies on the power of oh, what's that word I'm looking for? Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Catharsis. Oh, right? okay. So the deal with catharsis, and we're talking about video games and films, right? Is we are imagining the events in these films and dealing with them with our present emotions. Right. So if I'm angry and I go play a video game, it doesn't matter what that video game is. I'm releasing that serotonin and Oxycontin into my brain and dealing with the feelings that I had before I started in, you know, killing pixel people or playing Candy Crush or whatever. Right. Right. That is catharsis. Dealing with something in a fa uh, in a fantasy way so that you don't do it in real life. 
that is catharsis. But, Stop blaming video games, right? Movies, no, whatever. I, I, t- I totally agree. And you know, I also think it's like even before kids discovered the movies and the video games, what they're dealing with their parents, and a lot of parents are emotionally or physically abusive. Mm-hmm. So there's already some kind of like violent idea going on in a lot of homes. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem is parents don't always have a good perspective on, Oh, that movie is too violent or that movie's not because it might be something that's happening in their home and that's normal to them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and that's not the case all the time. Of course. No, no, but, of course not. And I'm I mean, not shitting. I, I don't feel like I have the right to tell any parent anything. Cause I'm not a parent. Oh, um, I, I have come to the conclusion that I may not be a parent, but I have been around enough kids and I know when something is wrong. I have eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I actually, so. you, know, you know how rare psychopaths are, right? They're like incredibly rare. I met a child who was a psychopath. Wow. But he was being raised in a way where he was taught like because he didn't have a emo- regular emotion. So he was being taught how. Uh, if you do certain things society wants, you get benefits out of it. Mm-hmm. But it was weird because, like, I, I, I didn't, I forgot they existed. Mm-hmm. And so that was a whole different world. Yeah. yeah. And when you're dealing with the sociopaths who have, like, no emotional connection, right? You have to right. teach them that way. You have to teach them the risk reward, right? Right. If I'm nice, I get good things. If I'm not. Right bad things happen which is so confusing because when you have kids their whole point is you're trying not to be like spoil them and make them think that they should just be handed everything mm-hmm. so you got to get those diagnoses early i don't know how we right. got into this but i well, do think it's to talking about violence and movies in the in the rating system that's how we no it's it. true but people blame like i remember people back in the 90s were blaming marilyn manson for columbine yep. and marilyn manson himself even like was crying about it he was like this is not anything i had anything to do with or wanted anything to do with i mean right it's not anything that he intended right i mean he's it's just I, like I, 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 I have a giant okay. julie brown fan oh yeah uh just say julie brown I like them both, but, you know, downtown Julie Brown with her wubba, wubba, wubba was great. But, <laughs> uh, just say Julie Brown, the redhead, uh, used to have a song, you youngins might want to look it up or not, it's up to you, called The Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun. It was made to specifically oh, yeah. reference those, like, 50s and 60s tragedy songs. Oh, no, my boyfriend went on Dead Man's Curve and fell off the cliff. You know, stuff like that. And so yeah. it made to make fun of that. And then Columbine happened. Right. Like, well, fuck, can't do this anymore. I don't want to hurt anyone. Um, It's a great song if you can divorce it from real life events. But anyway, we have gotten way off topic. We really have. (laughs) I was going to start going into the whole Pearl, that awesome Pearl Jam song with a video with a kid like Jeremy. Yes. Jeremy spoke in class today. Yep. I fucking, I love that song. I can't watch that video. Because that I, came I, out I, I, after Columbine. That was in response yeah. to Columbine. Right? So that is more... That's People feel that that's more... Would Jack Skellington shoot up a place? No, oh, yeah. I don't think he would. No, 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 he would no. not. He's too sweet. <laughs> right. Um, some of those other people in Halloween Town, maybe, but they don't use guns. So they they prefer no. to grab your ankles under the bed. That's fine. Yeah, that's more um, fun. But keep in mind that they created this whole world 
from a poem that had three characters. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. All the other characters were made up for the movies, right? Jack, Zero, and Santa. Only three characters in that three-page poem. Wow. Some names of the children for presents that were given out, right? Right. Um, But uh, one thing to note about the movie, uh, Finkelstein, the doctor, first off, he's only listed as mad scientist in the credits. Second, (laughs) Boogie Boogie was supposed to be Finkelstein in disguise. Oh, I see. Right, because it Sally was originally supposed to be more of a love interest to Finkelstein, and he was jealous that Sally was choosing Jack. Right, right, so right. Where we got this weird transition to Oogie Boogie, right? That was very abrupt. <laughs> right. right. Um. By the way, this and Who Framed Roger Rabbit are the only films under Touchstone that are considered official Disney films. Huh. So, good to know. I didn't know that. Um, Sally was supposed to have some trouble walking, and going back to her for a second, but she so she walks more stiffly because she's a doll, right? Right, um, right. basically a scarecrow stuffed with leaves and sewn together. Um, right, but they couldn't do it right. She looked drunk. <laughs> so, she kind of uh, did, yeah. Yeah. Um. By the way. If you look around around 21 minutes into the movie in the town meeting scene, you can see a model of the evil queen from Snow White. Oh, I'll have to check that out next time. I may have even seen it and not thought about it, but I'll have to check that out again. Yeah, yeah. And this is also the first true, fully animated Disney film that is not traditionally animated. It was even before oh. they were using CGI. So this is the first right. stop motion Disney film. Huh, that's interesting. So, um, all of the the work that went into this film is just amazing, amazing. Yeah, it it really is. It really um, is. I I can't I can't gush about this movie enough. It's beautiful and dark, and we need that sometimes because we feel that. Sometimes, yeah right yeah it was enough like cinderella bullshit like we just need something where we we know that we're a little bit different and we want to relate yeah. to something different and this hit a much wider audience than disney oh ever yeah expected. because again disney doesn't think kids like to be scared they put in the scary stuff in movies for adults right, right? plus they're a little bit sadistic nothing wrong with that <laughs> you know, the and, fox and the hound, you fucks. <laughs> right? Oh, I can't bring myself to watch that movie ever. No, I never will again. Um, but yeah, it's it's just crazy how how wide this movie went, and it wasn't just you know because when we think you and me being the former goth kids or candy ravers that we were, um. Yeah, we see this and see, oh, no, it's only our community that loves this movie. No, this movie is so widely loved. Yeah, it was widely loved. So loved. So loved. And I have had the pleasure of seeing this, and it is wonderful, that California and Tokyo Disneyland, (gasps) around around, uh, October of every year, they do the Haunted Mansion 
Night Before Christmas overlay, which is combining Nightmare Before, Before Christmas and the storyline of the film with the Haunted Mansion. So they close the ride for two weeks so that it can be re redecorated. Uh, okay. It's open until January. So from October to January in California and Tokyo, you're getting the, the Nightmare Before Christmas Haunted Mansion. And it is wonderful. Oh, that sounds oh. amazing. And they play the music from the movie. They don't do Grim Grinning Ghosts. It's more This is Halloween, right? Um, but it's That's just... That's good to know. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. I have pictures somewhere. I didn't get a lot because you know, no flash photography, please. Uh. <laughs> oh, I hate that. I hate being told that. I know. I take I take pictures everywhere. I was in Spirit Halloween yesterday. I was taking pictures. I was like, I don't care. I'm taking pictures. Well, the problem with the flash pictures in the haunted mansion is not that you're taking pictures. It's that it right. It's your affecting right. Because right. You've got that uh, that illusion on the glass where it's just a reflection of something happening right. underneath you, right? So if you take a picture with a flash, you're ruining that reflection. You're ruining, ruining the experience, yeah. Yeah, so you can't see those. You need non-flash, right? But I know this sucks, but I have to wrap it up because I have to pee so bad and I'm in the cellar. <laughs> oh my God, oh no. <laughs> All right, well, no, I, I love talking about this movie. I will absolutely talk about this movie with anybody. It's so much fun and there's just so much to know about it. And of course, I'm the trivia nerd. You so. really are. I, yeah. I, that's why I'm like, I got to talk to Bob because I, I love this movie. I adore it, but I don't. I didn't know any of that stuff you told me. Yeah, by the way, no sequels, none. Tim Good. Let it happen. However, Kingdom Hearts includes levels with both the uh, the movie heroes Jack and Sally and all that stuff and Oogie Boogie. If you haven't played Kingdom Hearts to get to those Nightmare Before Christmas levels, do it. They're so much fun. Yeah. So, anyway, I will let you go pee, and I will talk to you later. <laughs> okay. Take care. <laughs> you too. And tell your uh, partner that I'm sorry that he broke his arm at a fucking spirit halloween uh, you'll have to tell me more about that later anyway i'll talk to you. i really will <laughs> okay. okay all right talk to you later bye bye <laughs>